peace, beautiful people. It's your boy. You already know. Now, today I have a very special guest on the podcast by the name of Monet Noel Marshall. I'm going to give you a little background about her, but please tune into the interview to really get in um, to the depths of who and what she is. So Monet Noel Marshall is a performer, director, producer, writer, cultural organizer, and creative consultant whose work sits at the nexus of equity, creativity, and community-based practice. As an artist and facilitator, Monet has shared her artistic approach to equity work with thousands of people along the East Coast. Some of her past clients include Triangle Community Foundation, UNC Chapel Hill, Student U, Black Space, the Phil G. Freelon Foundation, and others. She's presently the founding artistic director of Mojoa Performing Arts Company, producing new works by and new opportunities for Black playwrights. Monet is also the founder and lead consulting artist for an amazing creative consulting company, which helps creatives do better business and businesses be more creative. Monet provides arts integrated solutions to creatives, businesses, nonprofits through consultation, event curation, marketing, and facilitation. She activates the arts to engage communities in collective visioning, change making, and joy as social action. Last year, she actually received the Mary B. Reagan Community Arts Fellowship from the North Carolina Arts Council and is an Independent Weekly Arts Award winner. More importantly, she's Robin and Brian's daughter, Evelyn, George, Zelma, and Bob's granddaughter. She's a sister, friend, and partner who knows that art ain't innocent. To be black and creative is the same thing and that her grandmothers are artists. You can find more about her work at MonetNoelMarshall.com. Okay, y'all. Welcome to our next Slamming episode of the All Things Eat podcast, where I interview and talk with people who are doing amazing work in the realms of education, art, and technology. Uh, today, I have a very special guest and someone who I have been looking forward to interviewing and talking with Uh on the mic and and on this podcast since I even started it. Um, she was like the first person that I knew and wrote on my list of all the people to interview. So I'm, I'm definitely thrilled that I get to talk with you. Um, so this person uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, she's an artist, a producer, a writer, a creator, a organizer, a what I consider to be like the greatest of community activists that I know or artivists or whatever people call it. Um, and I have today Monet Marshall. Monet, how are you feeling? I'm so good, Quay. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing good. Today's a good day. Uh, we got you here, so I'm, I'm all set. I'm all set. So good. question for you, Monet. I know you, and you know I'm familiar with you and your work. So I guess if people were to ask you, uh, who is Monet Marshall and, and what do you do? Mm, such a good question. So I always start with sharing that I am the daughter of Robin and Brian Marshall mm -hmm. and the granddaughter of Zelma and Bob and George and Evelyn. Uh, I'm Jordan and Aaron's sister. I'm a friend. I'm a partner. I am a um, collaborator and a co-conspirator mm -hmm. uh, with some really dope folks. I am from Long Island, a strong island, New York. Okay. But I call okay. it. <laughs> but I call Durham, North Carolina home. Um, I'm an I'm an Aggie, Aggie pride. Okay, uh, and I am an artist. Absolutely, you definitely are an artist. 
So I, I know when you start, you mentioned, you know, family names and your lineage and those people that kind of created who is Monet, you know? So I wonder, um, you know, in the South, it'd be like, who your people? Who, who you know? Who you <laughs> who your kin people? Um, so I guess of those names, how did they shape you into who you are today? And, and, and how did they impact the work that you even create? Yeah. So my mother is a consummate artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a household where, you know, after dinner, I was always like, we were told to go stand up on the rug mm-hmm. by the sink and like be after dinner entertainment, mm-hmm. whether that's like tell a story or sing a song or make up a dance or mm-hmm. something. Like you just had to go like work <laughs> for your meal right. after dinner. Um, and you know, my mom is a dancer and a playwright and a director and a choreographer, um, in her own right. So a lot of my arts background really comes from her. Like she was my first collaborator. She was the first time I choreographed a dance. I think I was 11 years old, the the first time I choreographed something. And she was the first person I showed it to. Um, And we've been working together and making together since I was nine or 10 years old. So she has had a huge impact on my arts practice. Um, And... The other thing that she did that I didn't recognize was um, not common was she really treated me like a equal artistically. Mm. So she really like looked at my ideas and the pieces that I choreographed and all of that. And she didn't say like, oh, that's cute and pat me on the head. Mm -hmm. She really looked at it as like formidable art and treated it as such. So that as I became older, I very much carry this like energy like, my mama has been fortifying me as an artist since I was a child. There's actually nothing that nobody can tell me, you know what I'm saying? Like you may not like my art or you may not agree with it. You may not get it, but that does not make me any less of an artist. Like I've been doing, like I'm, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. You know what I'm saying? saying? So, um, and also like getting that feeling outside of, institutions. So I think the institutions that have really held me have been like church. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, I did a lot of um, dancing and plays and things in church. And again, being treated like, oh, you are legit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like you're just a little kid. So she had a lot of impact in that. My dad is also a dancer. He was in a band. He was a DJ right. back in the day. Wow. Um, so he has a lot of um influence especially on my musical taste mm-hmm. um <laughs> a lot of earth wind and fire and jackson five and parliament mm-hmm. the funkadelic um and the commodores just like as a soundtrack to my childhood and then um my grandparents like on both sides of my family were hard-working folks mm-hmm. like my mother grew up on a share crop and tobacco farm in Greenville, North Carolina. Shout out to and her two mama was a five. Show enough. <laughs> two five two. Already. Um, <laughs> and um, my, my mom's mom was a domestic. And then on my dad's side, my grandma was a teacher's assistant and my grandfather was a veteran and a postal worker. Um, but I think even in all of those things, there was just like a deep belief in us being able to create the life for ourselves that we want. Mm -hmm. And I know that their labor and their work has allowed me to have the freedom to be an artist. Um, But they all were creative in their own ways. Like you gotta be, you gotta be creative to be black in America and survive. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
That's a bar. So tell tell us about your family. Uh, your family has a performing arts company. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yeah. that? Absolutely. So um, we have, it's called Mojoa Performing Arts Company, um, M-O-J-O-A-A. And it's Monet, Jordan, and Aaron, our names mashed together. Nice. Jordan and Aaron are my brothers. And folks like to say, it's like the Cosby's have a theater company. I'm like, no, it's like family <laughs> matters. Right. Theater company. Right. Get it right. Uh, so, and we started in 2014 when we moved here. Well, my family moved here in 2012 and I already went to A&T and graduated. Mm-hmm. And when we moved here, there wasn't an operating black theater company in the triangle. Mm-hmm. And since then that has changed. And we're very grateful to be in community with lots of other companies like Agape and uh, Black Ops and Black Poetry Theater and the such. But at the time, there wasn't an operating black theater company. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, we have, you know, we got skills, we got education, we yep. got time. Um, we can do this. So we started and the first play we did was called Can I Get a Witness? Mm-hmm. It's a gospel play that my mother wrote. And it's very set and it's like passion time, Easter time, mm-hmm. and we are doing it again um, in a couple weeks to celebrate five years. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's really been a joy, and we're really focused on plays by Black folks and folks of color, living Black folks and folks of color, just because, like, across the country, the work that is consistently done the most by Black playwrights mm-hmm. is August Wilson or Raising the Sun, and yep. while th- those are August Wilson and Lauren Hansberry are both brilliant playwrights. They're both deceased, right? And how can we support the folks that are creating and writing right now? So we focus on that. And we're a community theater space. So folks of all different levels, all different ages, folks who haven't done a show since high school, folks that never did theater but always wanted to try. Um, we, we really have our arms and our hearts open to all types of folks of all colors and ages and genders and abilities um, to be part Dig it. Dig it. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, so I guess so in, in being like living and breathing art, essentially, is what I'm hearing you say almost about yourself. Like how like how do you distinguish like how do you determine what art is? What does Monet say art is? Because I feel that you have this mm-hmm. grasp on it that is very different from anything I've ever seen. It's like an experience that I feel um everybody can be a part of and that's unusual um because it feels like art is always something you just like watch and then you're like i don't get it (laughs) but it's like (laughs) you have this way of creating community and putting everybody into it so like yeah what is art to you let's start there Uh, that's a big question um so i believe that art is communication and I, I believe that it is um it can be communication of the present, it can be communication of the past or uh, an imagined future. Um, it can be communication of this is the, what it's like to live in my body. And I want you to have this experience with me, and to step into it with me for a moment um, or here is what. I love, this is my fear, but I think it's art is in general, it's a way to communicate, like to try to let someone else in on the experience of being you. And I think for me, when I'm creating, not that I want to box myself in and like, oh, well, I'm trying to do this work for someone else because I'm not, I'm actually a really selfish artist. I think most artists are 
um, in that when I create, I'm really thinking about two people. I'm thinking about my 16 year old self and I'm thinking about my elder self. Like when I'm a queer black grandma kicking it at 70, 75, what stories will I need to have told? And when I think about my 16 year old self in the world that she needed and what she needed to see, she really needed to see someone like me exist in the world and tell my truth so that she can know that it's possible and that the things that she was dreaming and feeling and experiencing all made sense in the world and that she wasn't odd or different. Um, So ultimately I feel like I am trying to communicate as much, as much truth as I know at that given moment. Right. And I think truth is so subjective and it's so, personal. Um, I think there are universal truths, right? But then we also move through the world um, experiencing the world so differently from one another, you know? And I think art is a way to explore all of the realities that we're all living in mm-hmm. at the same time. For sure. Man, that's beautiful. And I think that ties <laughs> into the question that I wanted to ask also is you mentioned um, initially, um, a little bit early, and I hate like repeating what somebody said because I always feel like I don't say it exactly. <laughs> um, but kind of paraphrasing, <laughs> you said you have to be black and you have to be creative to be black in in society or in America, right? And then you mentioned yeah. being a queer black grandmother or being a woman and all of those things. So your identity as a black woman, queer artist, all of those things combined, like how does that shape um, your identity, shape the art that you produce? Hmm. I think it really depends on the project. I think, um, but one of the things that I feel is true in all of my work is this idea of like, how can I, how can I be invitational? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm very rarely, I'm not going to say never because there's some projects, but I'm very rarely interested in alienating or creating distance with the audience. Yep. You know I, what I'm saying? I believe that. More I see so, that. Yeah, like more often than not, I really do want to build community. I want to build trust. I want to build bridges between um, myself and other folks or folks that don't feel like they have connections to this group of people and realize like, oh, shoot, we do. Or bridges between people's masks and their true selves, like who they really are underneath them. Um, I just want to create opportunities for folks to know other folks better. Um, And that that feels like feels like communion it feels like church it feels like ministry to me um and it it also is a deep love practice Mm -hmm. and ultimately i do want folks to feel love and sometimes tough love like tough love is love too or you know Mm -hmm. showing people the things that they don't understand and can't see you know, is love too. And, and at the same time, I think when I think about my identities, like as a queer, black, cisgender woman living in the American South with roots in the American South, um, I also know who's hurting. Like I see who's hurting a lot. And I'm also trying to create work that is not going to further traumatize or further hurt the folks that are already hurting wow. um, for, I don't know, like without there being some type of 
payoff. Like there has to be a deep payoff if I'm going to play with people's pain. Right. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. I dig that. Um, So I guess um, when you say um, you have this saying and um, it's in your bio as well. And I've always wanted to ask what you meant. um, And in the light of what we kind of just talked about or the things you touched on um, about, you know, playing with people's pain and things like that. Um, You have this quote that you use, like you mentioned that art ain't innocent is what you say. Mm. What I've heard you say. Yeah. Um, so I guess what does that mean when you when you say art ain't innocent? That if we go back to the earlier er, my earlier definition of art is communication, mm-hmm. then like that that ability to communicate in that way or to like for people to open up their spirits mm-hmm. and let folks in in a vulnerable way, um, whether they know that it's happening or not that is deeply powerful. And I think we have to be really mindful about how we use that tool because a tool can be a weapon, a weapon can be a tool, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And to be honest about what we're doing and to be mindful of the way that we wield um, that power. And I think that if we're not mindful of it, then we can cause harm or that we can be used, not like thinking that we're doing one Mm -hmm. thing, but actually we're harming folks. So that art ain't innocent really came out of a conversation around the ways that artists are often weaponized Mm -hmm. against poor um, communities of color when it comes to gentrification. Like the artists are, artists are often the harbingers of gentrification. You know, like the artists come first and they make a place cool where low income folks have been living and working Mm -hmm. and making. And then next thing you know, a condo has popped up. Yep you know, that is not affordable for the folks who have been living and making and working, the artists included, right? Mm-hmm. So the artists have a, like a little sweet spot moment where they're like, oh my God, people are here, they're spending money. Yep. And then the artists are pushed out too. So I think it is just a, a honoring and a recognizing of the power of art and knowing that art is not inherently liberal, it's not inherently um, pure, or it's not inherently good all the time mm-hmm. that, there are folks who know that artists can do this and that artists build community and that artists can make something cool. Mm-hmm. And then they purposely use that to um, disenfranchise and to undermine people and communities. And as artists, if we're not mindful of our own power, if we are not paying attention to, is this opportunity actually good, not just for me, but for the folks I'm in community with and I'm accountable to, mm-hmm. we have to, we just have to be clear about, who we are. Mm-hmm. Man. And that's always something I think I've struggled with. Um, even as an artist myself, it's like, I I see the, the times where, um, you know, companies or I guess as a rapper more specifically, like how those people are used against or to preach negative messages or to um, kind of put these things into communities that aren't necessarily the best for them or the best for us, or even for myself um, as an artist. Right. And I always wonder, you know, how people keep that balance or how you manage to not have your art co-opted, as some people say. Um, and I, mm. think, I think you do a beautiful job of, of doing that. Um, but I guess I would ask you, you know, when you put out things and when you, um, 
you know, have offers from, I'm pretty sure big arts companies are like, hey, Monet, we want you to do this for us. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure because you've built that, you know, name for yourself and following for yourself. How do you determine um, someone's intent, I guess, when it comes to like somebody wanting to pull you to do something in a community and you know it's just going to be a situation where you bring in people and then they utilize that to, like you say, gentrify or or create a whole community of their own? Yeah, that's a real question. I think, um, one, maybe just because I'm not there yet, but I actually don't get as many of those calls and things. Um, what actually ends up happening more is that folks will reach out to other black folks mm -hmm. to ask them, like those institutions and people will reach out to black folks that they have trust with yep. that they feel more comfortable with and then they'll ask them like what do you think about Monet mm. what do you think about bringing Monet to this thing and I think part of it is because um, I'm very vocal yep. about my politics around things and what I believe and all of that and I think it makes people think that um, I'm, I'm unapproachable or they have trepidation around like if they don't come correct or if they say the right the wrong thing like how am I going to respond mm -hmm. um which on the one hand, I'm like, y'all, I'm five, one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, I'm like, but come correct, though. <laughs> right. Straight up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Straight up. So come correct. Um, so, I, yeah. So I think, but I am still trying to figure that out because I think, too, no matter what, no matter what our morals and our feelings and how we're trying to move, we are not at a place where we can exist outside of capitalism. Mm -hmm. So I I am still trying to wrestle with, like, how do I hold on to the things that are important to me and pay my bills, right. <laughs> you know, like, and continue to build a life that makes, that, that can serve my dreams and can serve my art. And also that, like, knowing that when I've, when I've had access to resources, that I am generally generous with those mm -hmm. resources. Um, and even more so, I have a council of folks mm -hmm. that I know that I talk to about decisions before I make them yep. and that I know will check me if they're like, nah, don't do that. Got it. And yep. I trust those people. And I really feel like that is one of the ways that I, um, that keep me safe is to have that council of people because sometimes things look real shiny. Mm -hmm. And sometimes somebody gives you that offer on that same day that your rent is due. Yep. And you're like, ooh, you know, um, but then I, I remember who I'm accountable to and I remember who my people are. And I also know that like my people will support me in my no faster. Like if I say no to a thing, I know it's not right. I know that they're not going to let me be like this is too, or like not have what I need versus if I say yes to something that's ridiculous, like they're not gonna be able to stand behind that. Right. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, I know we have a have a few minutes here. Like I said, I want to be mindful of of your time and whatnot. Um, so I got like two, almost two or three more questions. Um, Go for, for it. Um. So <laughs> with the art that you create, right? You did the uh, Buy It, Call It trilogy, which was by far my favorite because that's when I was actually introduced <laughs> to your work. So of course it'll be my favorite, right? But <laughs> um, it was an amazing uh, project and. Like I said, it, it's amazing to me and inspiring to me. And I would tell Brittany all the time, like, Monet is like, how does she do this? <laughs> it's like you create community and communal spaces 
where people can just be and it doesn't feel like I have to do the most or I got to like get artsy and, and tap into my artsy side of my brain and like think too much. It's like it's uh, curated to meet me wherever it is that I am. So I, I guess with things like that, and of course, you know, talk a little bit about the project if you don't mind. Um, but my ultimate question is, you know, what makes you feel or how does Monet realize like your art is received well? Like, how do you know that it did what it was supposed to do? Mm. So the Biocolic Trilogy is a three-peat performance art experience that I produced in 2018. And um, the first piece was the theme was um, the way that black art, black people and black bodies are used and misused in mainstream white art institutions. Mm -hmm. The second piece was about my relationship to my body and other people's relationships to their bodies and digging in and telling the truth and releasing shame and um, all, all of that was held in the container of circus and carnival. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece was more just like people being, it was, you know, and it's still continuing. We're going to like reboot it in June, mm -hmm. but it was like uh, some dancing and like dance, people just coming dancing together, me serving tea and making fresh baked bread that people could just come and enjoy and um, a dinner, like just come and eat food and be together. So just a lot of like mm. deep being that dinner was so good. Yeah, deep was being great. and, and, and and the being as as art that like us just being who we are and being together is art. So, to answer your question on how I know something is successful, it's really about relationships mm -hmm. for me. So, one of the terms that I really think about a lot is radical relationships, and I define radical relationships are any relationship that would not exist without intentional disruption. So even before any of the audience members came to see the first show, mm -hmm. the show was already successful because there were relationships that had been um, built that would not have existed if I had not like cast these 20 people to be in the room together for two weeks. Right. So right now there are folks who have like house staff for other folks who have run into each other on vacation and like hung out. There are people who are dating who didn't know each other before last year. Mm -hmm. There are folks who have performed together and made art together and played D and D on Sundays, you know, like, and for me, like that is, that's success. Cause I'm like, I know that that relationship wasn't going to like those relationships don't just stay in the rehearsal room. Right. I'm not going to see you at Whole Foods after talking to you about deep topics mm -hmm. and like not say hello. And then God forbid, if some situation pops off in the Whole Foods, like I'm going to stand up for you because right. you're my people. You know what I'm saying? And I think we need more of that and we need more spaces that create communities that would not exist otherwise and intersections that would not um, exist otherwise. <laughs> And then from a audience standpoint is like the conversations that I hear. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the things that some of the conversations that people were having after the shows and after performances and experiences were so much deeper than I even expected. You know, like people were picking up on things that I hadn't even thought about. And I'm still having conversations about, you know, a show I did last year, January. And 
that makes me know that the work is resonating. I think a lot of, I think about my work a lot in terms of food and I'm like, I want to have, I want to, I want my art to be like stew, you know, mm-hmm. I want it to be a slow cooking on the, on the thing all night, cooking all night, stick to your bones type experience. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there are people still talking about and referencing my work a year later, as if they just went to it, like, last week makes me know that I did my job. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because I can't stop thinking (laughs) about it or talking about it. And every time I see you, I'm like, oh, it's Monet. (laughs) So, yes, thank you for for your art, Monet, and and all the things that you are creating, all the things that you do. It's, like, amazing and inspiring to me even um, in so many ways. Um, And I've been able to see... The cool thing is, is I've been able to see Brittany grow artistically, not grow artistically, but like be able to tap into that in a way that I don't know if she would have is if it wasn't for you. I mean, she would have to tell us, um, but I definitely have like enjoyed seeing her be a part of your projects and just seeing how you uh, build what you build. And uh, it just blows my mind when I like sit through it and watch it. Thanks, Quay. And I really appreciate Brittany and all the other folks who have given their time and talent and spirit to the work and have trusted me even when I didn't fully trust myself. Hmm. So I'm just deeply grateful. For sure. So uh, before we go, um, can you tell us about how we can follow you and definitely tell us about your Patreon, that movement, um, how we can tap in with Monet? Absolutely. So um, our Instagram is at Madam Monarch, M-A-D-A-M-E-M-O-N-A-R-C-H. Uh, you can also add me on Facebook um, at Monet Noel Marshall. My website is monetnoelmarshall.com. And my Patreon is patreon.com slash Monet. And for folks who don't know what a Patreon is, it is a way to give monthly support to artists, creatives, businesses, brands that are doing work um, that you want to support and you can give at any level. And then there's some perks for being a Patreon person. And it allows me to continue to do my art and community. Um, and really grateful for support. We're going to get you to that million, million a month, fam. <laughs> I see now. I love that. We're going to get you there. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> do not fret. Oh, man. So, um, last question. It's always a question I feel like I ask everybody on purpose, um, and we can end with this one. So okay. I know personally that there will never be another Monet Noel Marshall on this <laughs> earth, right? But if there was another little Monet out there that's like, oh, this is who I want to be, what would you what would you tell that person? Hmm do it scared like whatever it is you will be scared while you're doing it if you're not scared it's probably not big enough but you're going to find that thing and it's going to be the thing that wakes you up every morning the thing that you think about before you go to bed at night um the thing that like grabs you the thing that calls you to arms the thing that makes you laugh and brings you joy and just keeps circling around to you like that is your celestial work like that is your calling and answer it. Don't be afraid to answer it. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect. 
you can keep hacking at it and keep trying, but do it. Do it scared. Find your people who can support you and do it anyway. If we need it. That is it. Perfect place. <laughs> Monet, again, thank you for your time and just for being, as I always say, um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for being on this. This was so much fun. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I know we'll see each other um, hopefully soon, um, and we'll we'll talk some more. But thank you. Okay. Of course. Thanks, Gray. All right, my friend. Peace. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>